0: And welcome to another of Political Yeti's Politics Podcasts. I'm James Miller, and this week I'm joined by Tony Grew, back by popular demand. It's true, actually, my wife does popularly demand that you come on the podcast more often. That's comforting to know. Um, Basically, well, you used to be a journalist. Now you're basically part of of the Constitution, aren't you? No. Isn't it true that Parliament cannot adjourn (laughs) until you have tweeted, uh, Jim Shannon has intervened in the adjournment debate? Well,
1: uh, Jim Shannon doesn't intervene in every adjournment debate, so that wouldn't really make sense. Have you got a bot? No.
0: Well, it seems to be. The, you
1: know, no, I actually, you no, I actually watched the adjournment debate and then no. tweeted the appropriate moment. It's if what and you and always wanted
0: to be, a part of parliamentary procedure.
2: You are the most frequent visitor to the press gallery out of all of the journalists.
1: Well, I just, what can I say? I like to watch the Commons at work.
0: Good. And that other voice was Kirsty Blackman, deputy leader of the SNP group at Westminster and soon to be deputy leader of the whole party.
1: Right.
2: Deputy leader of the group at Westminster.
0: No, it's deputy leader of the SNP.
2: No. Right?
1: Come on, nobody else wants to do it. You might as well. I'm surprised by how many people don't want to do the job. I seem to see, see quite regular tweets from people I thought would have been quite uh, a contender saying, I'm not going to stand. Can I just check...
0: Kirsty to do it. They're all stepping well, out the I way, think, so
1: think, think Kirsty will be outstanding. But I did just want to ask a question about that, if I may. Yes, please Does do. the deputy leader have to be from the Westminster group? No. No. Okay, so it's it's not a...
2: It can be any member. So we had a councillor stand last time. We've got somebody standing this time that is not an elected politician. She's
1: just a person. Like Henry Bolton uh, from UK. You know how they've got all the...
0: I. Come on, let, right, let's, let's just mention that. You know how the SNP have got loads of talent in Hollywood and Westminster? Yes. And yet you can't find anyone to stand we as also deputy have leader. leader. You've got Lo- just a lady standing.
2: We have loads of talent within our membership. I first saw Julie speak in 2006 at conference, and she was on the stage, and she's just a few years older than me, and I thought, wow, seeing a young woman on the stage speak like that, she was absolutely phenomenal. So she is incredibly talented. So
0: why Why is just, she not elected?
2: Because you don't have to get elected just because you're talented.
1: Don't you want all your best talent in your legislated legislatures?
2: Well, it's quite nice to have talent everywhere. And actually. also,
1: sorry to interrupt and speak over you, which obviously I shouldn't be doing. But I think it's important to stress that for some people, the lifestyle that comes with being an MP or an MSP isn't compatible with their family life, and it may not be the way they want to serve.
0: I'm not sure it's going to help being deputy leader, though, is it? That's going to be hard, isn't it?
1: Well, I'm not sure. Well, let's see what happens. Well,
0: anyway, it's not deputy leader, of course. It's depute leader. It is right. deputy leader. We'll all be in trouble. Um, right, let's start with, he says, reaching into the big bag of jingles. This...
1: One this week. Mm, good to see. The jing- big, big graph on that. Good to see the uh, jingles haven't got any more professional in my absence. Uh,
0: it's very professional. Uh, the rapper man made that. The rapper man, has whoever he one, is. Has
2: that one ever changed?
0: Say, has that one ever been released as a single? No, it, <laughs> hasn't. Um, it, no, hasn't, it hasn't. It hasn't changed. So no. it's been
2: exactly the same for the. how long have we been doing this podcast? Uh, nearly three years?
0: No, no. This, uh, ah, yes, yeah. actually, yeah, it was the same podcast. Same on the old Sunday Post podcast, wasn't yes. it? The same one. Yes, then. Yes, three years now. Do you not yeah. think
2: it might be time for a fresh jingle? It's good though everyone loves it, right?
0: Yes. Yep. Uh, That is the best jingle. Come on, you can agree on that. Mm.
2: Compared to to all my other other jingles. It may be the best jingle on your podcast. Yeah, there we go. Uh, That may be true.
0: Um, Right, let's talk about PMQs. Um, Should we start with Jeremy Corbyn? Always a good place to start. He was a bit waffly today, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, I mean, my main observation about PMQs was how long it went on. It was, yeah. for, it was 47 minutes today, which I think is a bit
0: excessive. But isn't that partly because Corbyn was particularly waffly today? Yeah, that's like a it good kept point. asking like two questions in
1: one. Yeah, I mean, the Speaker made a point of whatever ridiculous time it took to get to the backbenchers is saying we're not mm. going to hear from some backbenchers. I thought the Prime Minister was in good form today. I think she is a lot more confident than she has been of uh, maybe three or four months ago. She seems to be making some progress in keeping the Cabinet together uh, on the Brexit strategy. Um, so she, uh, I thought she had quite a good line about mansplaining today as yeah. well. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's what helps, isn't it? You know, Corbyn set her up. Once you get a nice, easy hit under your belt, first straight off the, pat, the bat, yeah. that was pretty good.
1: But broadly, I do think the party's in a, uh, the Tory party and therefore the government is in a better place than they were sort of three or four months ago. Was Corbyn
0: mansplaining? He said, it's International Women's Day. I'm going to mansplain to you what he said now. I'm not. I'm doing it for the listeners, all right? He said... Doing uh, it for the listeners. It's, it's there are listeners.
2: <laughs> You're mansplaining for listeners. Yes,
0: because they weren't here. That's the whole point. Uh, it's International Women's Day tomorrow. What do you think of that, Prime Minister? And she said, yeah, I know. Thanks for mansplaining. Was, is that mansplaining?
2: I didn't particularly think it was mansplaining. I think people have said much more patronising rubbish in the chamber uh, than, than Jeremy Corbyn said today. I thought, what? Well, interesting and kind of procedural wonky thing was the fact that he went on two different issues which is not normal for Corbyn to do that and actually I think it was better because he did go on two different issues I think that was a good thing because if you ask Is it six questions he gets? If you ask six questions on the same thing, you're essentially asking the same thing over and over. Whereas he was able to ask on two different issues, and I thought that was a good thing.
0: Was perhaps his problem today that he tried to do six questions on two different issues? That's why he was waffling. He was trying to ram so much into each question.
2: He did. There was an issue in the middle where he asked about both Saudi Arabia and homelessness in the same question, which was um, an impressive link. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I don't think we can blame Saudi Arabia for that, uh, amongst many things. What do we think of Saudi Arabia? It's a bad place, isn't it? They're all
1: horrible. Well, I mean, the issue with Saudi Arabia is whether you engage or not. So the purists would say, for example, we should stop selling arms to Saudi Arabia. That will do nothing, by the way, to stop the war in Yemen, because we've already sold them those weapons. So I'm kind of sympathetic to the idea that if we're in a position of influence over them, We should continue to be in a position of influence over them and try and, um, for example, appeal to them to reopen ports in Yemen, which the Prime Minister pointed out at PMQ she had asked the Crown Prince to do when she visited in December, and he subsequently did do that. If you present yourself as an enemy of a country, you've got very little um, sort of purchase with them, as it were.
0: There's an in-between. I mean, we haven't got much influence. If they're doing a terrible war and they're horrible to women, what, what, what influence have we got? Can't we say to them, stop doing the terrible war, start being nice to the ladies? I think you're also being a bit of a cultural relativist.
1: So. Oh! Well, no, Saudi Arabia isn't England. That's the first thing that's well, important to yes, establish. And that, that is not a the, tree. The Crown Prince has made some very, very small and modest moves towards uh, the liberation of women. We need to Ooh, encourage. Big woo. Well, we need to encourage that, support it, and applaud it. No, we need to keep it up the to to
0: stop being a massive sexist. Well, I
1: think we? you pretty much un- just misunderstand how diplomacy works. Kicking people up the arse is the sort of Trump uh, attitude towards uh, how you deal with other countries. Well. I think you have to approach these things with respect. I think you have to respect that there are cultural differences between their country <laughs> and our country. And I think the best position. That you can be in is a position of influence. I think we will agree to differ on that. Well, okay. I'd be interested you, to hear what Kirsty well, thinks, well, as she's on the
2: Whatever cultural differences there are, jailing innocent people is never right. Does not matter which you know which culture you come from. That is not the case. Not ever right. Um, in Yemen, there are 22 million people who are in need of humanitarian aid. 11 million people in Yemen need that aid in order to survive. Mm-hmm. We should not be in a situation where we are having any kind of positive relationship with a country that is doing that, particularly not a relationship that involves... Selling them arms, and I don't care whether we've sold them the arms previously and they've already got them. We should be saying we are not selling you arms because you are using them in a way that means that people need urgent humanitarian aid and are, you know, are, are innocent people are dying as a result of the actions of Saudi Arabia.
0: And the SNP have been pretty uh, solid on this. Angus used to raise this mm-hmm. when he was leading the SNP here on a fairly regular basis. He was one of the few people talking about Yemen yeah. uh, before other people. Um, what's the the deal between Scotland and Saudi Arabia would Nicola Sturgeon go there for a a visit I think
2: think we've been we've been clear in relation to anything around diplomacy around Saudi Arabia if there is any meeting between any government minister whether that is a Scottish government minister or somebody from the UK if that happens to, to occur they need to bring up Cases like Rafe Badawi who has been jailed, hmm. um, who is an innocent person, and therefore should be set free. They need to be talking about all of these things. Um, I I don't know whether or not the Scottish government would would or do meet with meet with anybody from Saudi Arabia. I certainly don't think they're going to be meeting with the Crown Prince, and there's definitely going to be no red carpet if they were.
0: Awarded. Okay, red um, we rough sleeping, uh, that's pretty bad, isn't it? I mean, what was it the Prime Minister says this isn't about figures; it's about people. Was well, a stupid thing to say, because the figures are figures of people, right? And, you know, I don't know, you tell me, it's not great in Scotland either, but it's a lot better than it is in England, right? Uh, the,
2: there is, you know, major issues in Scotland, and that is about the UK government's reforms to the benefits, you know, the changes that they're having to benefits. If you speak to people who mm. are rough sleeping and ask them why they're rough sleeping, a p- ridiculous percentage of those is because of benefits changes. Mm. Um, it's also the issue that the UK government makes people that are... Um, claiming they're trying to get visas in this country they make them have no recourse to public funds which means they cannot claim any state benefits and a lot of them end up on the streets as a result which is a terrible thing but I think the biggest difference between Scotland and England in this is that Scotland has cancelled the right to buy therefore our council housing stock is increasing Whereas the council housing stock in England is not. And I think that is, having been a local authority councillor for eight years before I did this, this was the biggest part of my casework. Mm. And although it's still significant, it's not nearly as bad as it was before.
0: Um, Tony Blair, he fixed it, didn't he? Remember the old days when all the, the homeless people in London were Scottish? I mean, there were lots of them. But well, Tony Blair kind of...
2: He didn't cancel but, right to buy.
0: But he did kind of fix homelessness. He threw loads of money at it. I mean, admittedly, that wasn't real money, it turns out. It didn't actually exist. But he did throw <laughs> lots of money at it and fixed the problem. And now it's almost like this isn't a... This feels like a different homelessness problem to the one we used to have, like, 15 years ago, say.
1: Well, it is true that I've lived in London for more than 20 years. So, yes, before Tony Blair's government came in, there was a huge problem with very visible homelessness in the streets mm, of London. Yeah. Action was taken by the government and money was spent. Mm. Uh, and that problem did go away. And over the last, basically since the um, economic crash, it's got slowly worse and worse and worse in London. Um, and again, we now have lots of visible homeless people in the streets. But Kirsty's absolutely right. The, the, the problem... Isn't just and the prime minister is right in the sense that this isn't this isn't just a surface issue and there are multiple mm-hmm. um, factors involved. But I think Kirsty's identified the most significant one, which is that councils don't have anywhere to put these people because they don't have enough social housing stock. And across the broader issue of not just what we call visible street homelessness or rough sleeping, but the lack of capacity and the lack of social housing, what that leads to is a situation where councils, not having enough uh, social housing stock, then have to turn to private landlords to house the people that there's no let me finish to house the people that they're statutorily responsible for housing and so we have a situation in which hundreds of thousands of people are living in substandard accommodation mm. that's being paid for by the state
2: and the other thing is that a significant portion of those houses that are um, in the private sector now were formerly council houses and therefore it costs a huge amount of extra mm. money and housing benefit yep. to pay to house these people in exactly the same house as their neighbour is living in yep. it's just because it's owned by a different person so the money is going going into a different pot. It's costing more money because of right to buy. It's yeah, ridiculous. absolutely.
1: And, and, but it, it comes mm. back to a systemic problem, which is that councils haven't been allowed to build enough social housing. This is particularly a problem in London, but I imagine mm. it's a problem in other parts of the country. Um, so, it, so it means that councils have no recourse except to turn to substandard, in many cases, private they, owners. They
2: can't, they can't build that council housing because they then have to sell it off too cheaply. So they can't afford to build it because of the, the cost of selling it off very quickly.
0: Right, this is going to be smooth. Watch this. So we've had housing in London, we had Marsha de Cordova mm-hmm. talking about this at Battersea Power Station, which is an outrage because they've redeveloped Battersea Power Station, it looks very <laughs> nice. Um, but they've sold it all off to foreign people for millions of pounds and they, there's no actual affordable housing. And you mentioned uh, benefits, your yes. colleague Murray Black brought up benefits. And uh, if universal credit is so good, how come Sterling Council is asking for money to offset its effects. That was a good question, wasn't it?
2: Well, yeah, she's absolutely right. And managed to kind of um, confuse the Prime Minister on that one, who wasn't aware, obviously, that the Conservative Sterling Council had asked for extra money in order to fund the universal credit gap that they were facing.
0: You'd have thought the woman, Stephen Kerr, might have told her, eh?
2: You would have expected that, you know, seeing as Stephen Kerr obviously has the ear of the Prime Minister, yeah. that he would have told her.
0: Um, that was a good question. Another good question was Emma Reynolds. Um, we had, what was it, Gillian Keegan going on about apprenticeships, and Emma Reynolds just got up and said, well how come the number of apprenticeships dropped 60% then? It was short <laughs> well-timed, it was punchy it was good, wasn't it? Those short
2: questions are the ones that are most likely to throw the Prime Minister yeah. there, because she doesn't have time to look through her notes, she doesn't have time to come up with an answer, and you know that was that's the way she delivered a question
0: And you can see she gets discombobulated as well You can tell in the way she responds that she stumbles over a word, she does that uh thing and just looks a bit sort of weird. Um, they work.
2: Sometimes the speaker has to stand up and say, oh, everybody be quiet. And she yes. so has a quick flick through her notes while he does that.
0: Um, what was the speaker he called Toby uh, what What's his name? Toby Perkins. Said he said he was funny looking. He is funny Can looking. He not say odd. That's not nice. Yeah, he said he looks even more odd You than... just referred
1: to someone's religion. I don't well, think well, you're in a position that? to comment. Well, I just don't think it's relevant. Well,
0: that's fair enough. In it fact, it's, it's irrelevant. But, you know, that doesn't really apply to... I don't think really anyway
1: there's far too much focus on PMQs this this 40 or 45 minutes of Parliament's uh, you know business is well, not in any way yeah, reflective of what the House is. there's a lot of discussion
0: as. about how rubbish it is at the moment
1: yeah from you no Has from, you got a podcast about from it? Matt Chorley who?
0: He? Uh, I don't know um, he's, got a he's a Westminster
2: stuff. bubble journalist for anyone listening he very to
0: much is <laughs> he's always on about pasties we were discussing earlier. He's always on about the Cornish pasties because he's from Cornwall land or wherever it is. And Scotch whisky is a far bigger issue. But he's also on about PMQs as rubbish. It's just a phase of rubbish PMQs. It'll come back when we've got decent but, people. But what do, do you want I, it to be?
2: I agree with Tony. I think there's far too much focus on PMQs. I think there's a huge amount of uh, very interesting speeches that are made throughout the House of Commons, not during Prime Minister's questions every week. And um, you know, it's interesting actually, sometimes I get emails from people that are watching parliament tv because there are people that watch parliament tv it's not just me and it's not just you tony bbc parliament it's called and bbc parliament sorry or Um, or
1: you could obviously watch it online on the parliament's own website you could watch bbc parliament on its
0: own website as well
1: yeah, but BBC Parliament tends to do things like cut away to the Scottish Parliament, which obviously Parliament TV no, doesn't do. Yes, no, it, doesn't. it does. It yes, it does. It has to show yes, Westminster if Westminster is sitting. It has to. No it, law, yes. it no, it doesn't.
2: It doesn't because it can apply for exemptions in order to oh, show things like something the the, exactly um, the yes. SNP conference yeah. because Parliament never has a recess on our conference what, although right. it does for the Lib Dem That's
1: conference. That's a very... Slim situation. So, so, so we've, a, so we've like established that. that it doesn't actually have to statutorily show it Westminster winner. It, it has to ask for permission. It does, not. but it can get exemptions. So therefore, there are exemptions, so therefore, it doesn't have to show it. Because it can get an exemption. So I was right. Anyway, moving on.
2: Whichever platform they happen to be watching this on, whether it is BBC or whether it is not BBC, um, people email me when they are watching this to comment on different things that are said in the chamber. And I get much more comment, you know, in terms of emails and in terms of people actually coming up with kind of sensible comments um, from from people who are watching not PMQs mm. than on those days when I ask a PMQ and I, and I get emails. Generally, when I ask a PMQ and I get emails, it's people complaining about the fact that I'm wearing a scarf or something like that. I know, it's ridiculous.
0: Um, well, it's well here's the... I just I just want to follow up the scarfism. Who are the scarfists? Where are they coming from? They cannot be coming from your constituency because it's flipping cold there and everyone wears scarfs all year round in Aberdeen, right?
2: Some people are constituents and some people are not constituents. You've got scarfist constituents. What's wrong? How do they keep warm? I don't know if this is just female MPs or if it is male MPs as well, but you get an awful lot of people commenting on your appearance. In the House of Commons, whether that's by email, whether that's on Twitter, whatever it is. I don't know if everybody gets that or if it's just the women that get that, but it is very common. And actually, some days I get much more comments on my outfit than on the 15 or 20 minute speech that I made.
1: Right. It does but just happen to women. It I don't, does. I don't uh, think it happens to men.
0: There's a reason for that. And let's be clear, you've got to be somewhere in about 10 minutes. I could speak all afternoon about the politics of ladies' clothes, because, you know, there's some issues there, but we're not
1: going to. The, the problem the the problem is that Keys has surfaced. So we had a short and not very edifying exchange in Saudi Arabia Prime Minister's questions. Right now, because Vince Cable, the leader of the Lib Dems... Is, Vince Cable, Vince the Cable of the, from history. He's Vince Cable, something. the leader of the Lib Dems, has managed to secure an urgent question in the House of Commons in Saudi so that's Arabia. That's why he was in PMQs. Which, Well, I don't know, but if I could finish the point. Which means that what's actually happening now, while I'm talking to you, and not watching it, is that there's a, a much more substantive exchange going on about yeah. Saudi Arabia, and the minister will have to have more than one answer, and yes. won't we'll be able to read out the same thing over and over again, and we'll have to expand upon the government's economic and diplomatic relationship with Saudi Arabia, and that to me is much more interesting and edifying than the leader of the and opposition. And the shouting minister at the prime will minister. have
2: to know about the issue in depth exactly. as well. The prime minister will need to know, you know, yeah. three key lines exactly. on Saudi Arabia, exactly whereas it. the minister will have to know everything that they might possibly be asked on the on the topic.
1: And will have to have been briefed by their civil servants and briefs will have to have been prepared for them by their civil servants in response to the urgent question.
2: The other thing about PMQs is that it may be that there is no topic you are interested in comes up at okay. PMQs, whereas if you're really interested in Saudi Arabia... And you put on the Saudi Arabia urgent question, then you will be able to watch a whole you know hour and a half of something that you're interested in.
1: Exactly, and if you're an MP who you know, I'm sure many of your colleagues and many Labour and Tory MPs want to make points, they'll have an opportunity to question the minister about it and yeah. and hopefully get a more substantive answer. Yeah. So in other words, your podcast shouldn't be about PMQs. No, be about because I think else.
0: the defence of PMQs is that it's the only bit of. Parliament that people actually watch or are aware of, and I'm not saying that's how it should be, but most people are not able to watch BBC Parliament for hours on end. Now there's issues about how that then gets reported through newspapers and websites, and whether that should be reported more uh, straightforwardly, perhaps, rather than through the lens that it gets reported at the moment. But for now, Prime Minister's questions is something that people are aware of, some people, that they pick up on. And as you say, all right, maybe a topic you're not interested, you know, it depends what topics you're interested in, but it gets through so many topics that the chances are something that interests you or affects your life will come up at PMQs. Whereas you can sit through a Saudi Arabia, hour of Saudi Arabia, and frankly, it's not going to affect my life whatsoever.
1: Right? Those are all very good points.
0: Right, there we go. Uh, we're all agreed then. Good. PMQs <laughs> stays for now. What, basically, you're just trying to get rid of my, my jingle, aren't you? That's yep. what you're saying. You want to it's do, basically
1: all about the jingle. You want me to make...
0: I know, I can make a new jingle. It would fit if I did Tony Grew in review. That would you fit. Could, you That's could, really what you want, unfortunately, isn't Unfortunately, I'm not here to do to this do your, your, You can week. sit and watch... Parliament all week and then you can tell us what the interesting bits are that we should be watching. That's a good idea. Okay. Right, uh, get in contact if you want that. Let's finish off with uh, I love your questions. I love your questions. I
2: love your questions.
0: I love your questions. Um, brilliant question from Paul Sweeney. When Nicola Sturgeon steps down later this year, right, <laughs> because... You know, lots of people saying, what's going to be the big political issue this year, uh, of the year? What, what can we not see coming that's going to happen? And he reckons it's going to be Nicola Sturgeon doing one, because, you know, what else has she got to do? Um, who will replace her as the next leader of the SNP? Is it you, Kirsty?
2: So, as you would expect, I do not agree with the premise of the question. I don't think there's any chance Nicola is going to well, step down can later see it this coming. year. She is incredibly popular. Uh, she is, you know, a very good leader for the SNP. I don't think there is any chance that she will step down.
0: Right. But if um, she did...
2: Uh, you know, we were talking earlier about the fact that there is a huge amount of talent within the oh, What, is it going to be that lady within within that's married to a man? that who's going
0: to take over as the next leader of the SNP? Come on.
2: <laughs> there is a huge amount of talent within the SNP. And I think there would be some fantastic candidates who put themselves forward. Who? And I think it would be really interesting to see it.
0: Is that why nobody wants to be deputy leader? Because they're all waiting for a bigger contest a little bit down I the I don't road. think
2: anyone imagines that Nicola is going to stand down this year. No, and, I mean, well Paul Sweeney
0: really does, but I, <laughs> I, you know he might be right. Let's face it, lots of weird things have been happening in and politics this I think he used to to cause years. trouble. Well, come on, give me a name. Who's it going to be?
2: I have no Who, idea.
0: And one of the runners and writers. You
2: know, given given that this could be a very long time well, into the future, you have no yeah, idea who's going to be future. at the forefront of forever. the SNP at that at that moment in time.
0: Right? Would you fancy it?
2: There are some excellent people within the SNP. If you look at, you know, people like Hamza Youssef, yes. Derek Mackay, if you look at, you know, Keith Brown, if you look at, uh, Jean Freeman is doing an excellent job in the Scottish Parliament. So there are people down here that are also very good. If you look at the, some of the people that, that stand up in the chamber and are phenomenal people like Tommy Shepard, people like Joanna Cherry, people like Mary Black, there's a huge amount of people and we'll have to see who decides to go for it. And the membership, the membership choose.
0: Would you fancy it? I don't know. Oh, oh. Bear in mind, Hamza Yusuf apparently can control the weather. I think that's got to put him in quite a strong position, right? Um,
1: I'll have an early bid for John McNally. There you go. Well,
0: okay. Um, do you want to take, I'll take that bet. Do you want to place that bet?
1: Well, I'd actually place it with a bookie, not with you.
0: Well, I'll bet you one pint of beer that the next leader of the SNP will not be John McNally. I think I was probably just being flippant. Ah, oh, you
1: put your money where you're worried
2: being about being losing wuss. a pint of beer. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, beer's very wuss. expensive in London, you know. It's <laughs> true. Not in Parliament. It's all cheap, isn't it? It's It's not subsidised. <laughs> it is not subsidised. <laughs> <laughs> Those venues do not have to pay ground rent and rent. <laughs> Therefore, it is not a subsidised drink.
0: Well, yeah. uh, all right, let's not <sighs> get into that. Um, well, surely it's subsidised because they don't pay ground rent, because... So you, know, you think we, they should artificially, of we should
1: charge them rent. And business rates. And business rates in the Palace of you Westminster. You can't
2: charge them business rates, because they're not liable for business rates, because they're in a,
0: b-
1: a royal, a royal palace. palace. Oh, exactly, which
0: belongs to all of us. Anyway, it's all bad. Um, I'm not sure it belongs to all of us, but okay. Well, it does call it a royal
1: palace. Why does it not belong to all of us? Because we, we pay for it. B- Thanks to the Queen. Yeah, well, we pay her wages. No, you don't. You we clearly between... don't understand how the civil list works. Oh, oh, I, think, okay. I suggest Sorry. you go and do a bit of research. She's got
0: huge tracts of land which she stole from the people. Well, we well, not her person. That she stole the... from
1: the people. Well, the royal family didn't do much to earn all their land that they've got, have they? I, 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 I just don't even know where to begin with I you.
2: Neither n- n- did most people who are landowners. I suppose next you're going to
1: tell me you're a republican. No,
0: I'm not going that far. Well. well, you're not going that you far. You've the it? monarch
1: of being a thief, but you, but you don't want to replace her with a head of cities elected. I think
0: all that land. No,
2: he, to be fair, he said her ancestors are thieves, not her. Yeah, I'm not
0: saying she personally stole it. I don't know if she did. I wouldn't accuse her of that, unless I had any evidence. But, um, anyway, I did a history <laughs> degree, All right. Clearly not very well. That's, well it. That's, my, that's,
2: that's it. You're allowed to talk on yeah, any exactly. historical matter yep. because you did a history degree.
0: Yep, that's how it works. Anyway. Um, <laughs> this feels inconclusive to me. Yeah, we need a question for next week. Drew Hendry... Uh, two weeks, sorry. Two weeks. Yes, will be Drew so will be on.
2: I think you should ask him what he likes to do on a Sunday.
1: Ooh. <laughs> Interesting. You could Good also question. ask him if he wants to be leader of the SMP. Because I, I, think,
2: I think asking him what he likes to do on a Sunday might throw him. Because he'll be expecting something political and then, you know.
1: Well, Well, let's hope he doesn't tune into the podcast. (laughs) I hope it's something
0: interesting, not like hang out, you know, marvel at the likes of Inverness and visit the canal. I hope he comes up with something. It'll probably
1: be something to do with how much he enjoys going out and meeting his constituents, not indoors and handing out leaflets. I
2: think he'll say that he likes to go and see Hearts Play.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: Okay. Well, we'll find out, won't we? Um, Okay. Thank you to Kirsty. Thank you to Tony. And uh, if you want to get in touch to, uh, you know, argue that we should have. Uh, tony Drew in review as a regular feature or you know share your opinions on the royal family i am political yeti at gmail.com on the email at political yeti on twitter and come back next week for a brexit breakdown podcast and in two weeks for another of political yeti's politics podcast thank you